This is Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser from Bloomberg Radio. So we're going to slow it down a little bit um, and take you to uh, a story that's in the current issue of Bloomberg Business Week magazine. It's a disturbing story. It's a very illustrative story of what's going on around the country because of the pandemic, where for many options are pivoting and runways are coming to an end. So let's get into it with Bloomberg News finance reporter Noah Buhire, who joins us from Seattle, along with Liz Dunn. She is the founder of Dunn & Hobbs, and she's the subject of Noah's story. And she joins us on the phone from Seattle as well. Thank you so much both for being here. Noah, I want to kick it off with you. Tell me what you set out to do in your reporting and how you were led to Liz and why her story just resonated with you. Yeah, thanks, Carol. So Liz and I actually started chatting several months ago. Um, I think it was in April or May of last year um, for a project that I'm doing for Business Week um, following small businesses in one neighborhood uh, here in Seattle through the COVID crisis. And um, over the months, uh, in, in several conversations with Liz, I was just struck by all of the sort of financial um, and business bonds that she had created and, and um, developing this really uh, several properties on this really cool block in Seattle, just how, how COVID was, was really putting a lot of those relationships under strain. And what I wanted to do was tell a story about real estate and small business and all of these links between people and how they got through the first 10 months of the pandemic and what it might take to get them through the next 10. So Liz, come on in on this. First of all, how's your year been? <laughs> oh, Carol, <laughs> um, it's, it's been pretty challenging. I've yeah. been doing small scale real estate for about 20 years and I've survived through a couple of previous uh, crises with 9-11 and then, you know, the economic meltdown that started in 2008. But uh, boy, this, this takes the cake for sure. Well, well, and to be fair, and what's interesting, and it's one of the things we've talked about a lot, Liz, is, you know, companies, big and small, had to learn to pivot. Like, I feel like I've used that word a million times over the past 12 months. You did as well. And you had some things going for you in terms of, you know, where your real estate was located, what kind of tenants you had. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I kind of operate at a scale that, um, really caters to locally owned small business. And so I love to renovate old buildings and then cram a bunch of smaller users um, kind of into one project where um, it can create a real critical mass um, of, of um, you know, interest in terms of retail and restaurants for the, for the customers. And we're in a really great neighborhood called Capitol Hill. It's kind of the, you know, the cool, funky alternative neighborhood in, Seattle and and um, but you know the the problem is that these small family-owned businesses are um, super vulnerable and as Noah and I discussed of my 20-some customer-facing businesses on this one block, you know they were all impacted in various ways by by shutdowns. Um, or other aspects of the pandemic. So, Noah, as you were doing your reporting and talking with Liz and and unfolding this story, what struck you? Well, a couple of things. One is is just how um, how much the businesses that are tenants at Liz Property were able to pivot and just sort of do what they could to keep revenue in the door. Another thing was just Liz's willingness to to 
do whatever she could to keep them afloat. So uh, what that meant a lot last year was Liz had to go out and negotiate with, with her banks, the, the folks who have mortgages on her property, and get some sort of relief there so she could turn around and pass, um, basically give her tenants some wiggle room. Um, and, and I think that's like a hugely important and underappreciated uh, aspect of what's been going on here. And, you know, from the outset of this crisis, uh, you know, I spoke with one of uh, Liz's lenders, um, the CEO of Home Street Bank, uh, which is a, a, a regional bank here in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And that, he, their willingness to work with Liz over the last couple months has just been huge. But I think Liz and uh, Home Street also thought that this pandemic would be over by now. A lot of us did. Yes. And so really the point we're at in this crisis now is right. everyone's having to come back to the table now and figure out what makes sense uh, for the next several months. What's interesting too, and there's a stat, Noah, that jumped out at me about the strain that we're seeing in terms of you know, U.S. retail landlords. We've talked a lot about this on air, counting more than $50 billion in missed rent payments last year, according to estimates from CoStar. Um And some of those maybe will never get paid, but we've been watching so closely, Noah, the real estate market for looking for signs of strain. And it's big players, smaller players, but we've been watching it very closely, especially as we increasingly see in our communities. We see it in New York City. A lot of retail restaurants, they're not there anymore, and they're just boarded up, and they're empty places. Yeah, I mean, I I think what's interesting about Liz's property um, properties is, is, is the resilience. I mean, there's been a lot of work that has gone in to keep those businesses afloat. And, um, you know, another thing that should be noted is that the, the block where these properties are was, was just really steps from where a lot of the racial justice protests were um, in, in Seattle. And um, there were periods over the last year where um, these businesses had to board up. But, um, you know, I think Liz worked with her tenants. She could say more about this, I'm sure, to just sort of make, make it clear that, you know, they were open and functioning to the best of their ability. So, Liz, how crazy was it? Because it sounds like there were a lot of things that made survival possible. It was government programs. It was bank forbearance. Um, there's a lot of things. I mean, just what was it like, you know, in terms of finding the pieces to kind of keep it going? Well, I think you're right. It was a jigsaw puzzle, and it continues to be a jigsaw puzzle. And, you know, that's why I really appreciate Noah telling this story, because I think the plight of the mom and pop landlord, um, I think that story is not really getting told as much as it should. But, um, yeah, our, our tenants, we helped all of our tenants connect with banks if they didn't have one so they could apply for the PPP resources. We are once again with this round coaching them and and connecting them um, if they don't have those relationships. Um, The protest zone was half a block from us and that made the months of June and July um, really difficult. And even today there was a a swarm of bicycle cops that just um, uh, rode around our block because our area has kind of become a flashpoint for um, uh, protests on, on on various issues. And so that, that kind of continues. But, you know, I'm so lucky to have relationships with local banks. And that was intentional after the last downturn when I mm. realized that 
these big national banks, uh, you know, they, they're they're paying no attention to the plight of one little landlord in Seattle. Um, now I only deal with local banks where I, I literally, if I needed to, could walk into the office of the well, president. You know, that is such an important story. It's something actually my husband and I were talking about, the importance of like local community banks. Um, Noah, we've talked about this, you know, the big banks. There's been a lot of pressure even since, of course, the financial crisis to, you know, work within the smaller business community, um, think about kind of neighborhoods, and there's been a lot of pressure on them, but we've realized how important it is, these local community banks in terms of the relationships and understanding their communities and the needs of them. Yeah, I think I think that's a good point and something that's very salient. And, and Liz's story is, I mean, really what we're talking about is the difference between what what kind of, what the city, what any city really looks like um, after we're through this pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it's, as Liz said, a jig, it's been a jigsaw puzzle and putting together all the pieces in a way that the world resembles something like what it was before the pandemic just requires a lot of action uh, from a lot of different people. And, um, you know, community bankers tend to have their finger on the pulse of what's going on in their backyard and, you know, uh, the loans that Liz has, they probably, you know, would be a complete rounding error for a large national bank, but they're not trivial for, for a smaller bank. So um, I, I just, I, I, my reporting, you know, I, I, what I gathered was there was a lot more willingness to sort of look at the totality of the situation and try and imagine a way to get through this together. Were you, you know, and Noah, you mentioned talking to Mark Mason, the CEO of Home Street. Are they, you know, here it is, a local um, smaller bank, right? Financial institution. Are they feeling increasingly the strains the longer this goes on? I'm assuming yes, but I'm just curious what you might have heard. What's interesting about Mark is that he helped turn around Home Street after the last, um, uh, recession. Uh, he came in, I, I want to say 2010, um, maybe 29, uh, 2009. Mm-hmm. And Another really, tough time. <laughs> what he, yeah, what, what he explained to me is that this, this, uh, this moment is fundamentally different. And, and he sort of generally thinks that um, real estate values are going to hold up and uh, that, you know, he has some wiggle room um, to, to work with borrowers and, and try to get to the other side. Now, obviously, that's not going to be true for for all real estate. There are right. segments of the market that have really been impacted and might take quite some time to get back. Um, but I think it's an important difference that people should have in mind as they look and try and think through what's going to happen in the commercial real estate market in, in the U.S., that, that bankers are looking at um, their right. loan books differently now than they were uh, a decade or so ago. Liz, um, from what I, you know, the headline of the story, my runway is over. Um, how much more runway do you have depending, since we don't know quite how much longer this pandemic will go on? Just got about 30 seconds here. Well, I mean, I think there's this sliver of hope in this story as we've seen, but um, just because I'm lucky to have these local relationships, but I am going to need more help. You know, the pandemic is uh, right now as bad as it's ever been. And um, and so it feels like it's going to take years. Like I'm now being realistic. It will be bad this year, but even 2022 will be a recovery year. So right. 
Um, we're hanging in there. Okay. But we're going to need more help. Well, good luck and uh, great reporting, uh, Noah, by you. Noah Buhire, he's finance reporter at Bloomberg News. Liz Dunn, founder of Dunn and Hobbs. Find that story in the current issue of Bloomberg Business uh, Week magazine, also at Bloomberg.com and on the Bloomberg 